Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nizhdet Zaturgyan, and I'm the editor of the creative tech section here at EVN Report. My guest today was Rem Darbinian, the founder and CEO of SmartClick and Viral Mango. In the first half of the podcast, we discussed SmartClick's work on AI and how product development is being impacted, but also not really changing that much in the age of foundation models such as GPT. In the second half, we discussed Viral Mango, an influencer marketing business platform. Rem breaks down the current economy of influencer marketing, why it is so effective, and we even dive into the cultural effects of influencer culture and social media. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Let's start with a little bit of your background. I know you have a, a long history of serial entrepreneurship. So tell us how you got into the world of entrepreneurship and technology. If you go back like probably 18 years, 2000 three, four, five, that years, uh, I used to live in Moscow, mm-hmm. just graduated the university uh, with the financial, like uh, anti-crisis management. And living in Moscow in that year, it was very challenging for Armenians because there's like a, Armenians in Moscow was very decentralized. So there is no central place where you can go meet other fellow Armenians, talk in your own language. Like the community was yeah. There's there's not a, like a good community in Russia. It's it was completely different. You know, we've heard the stories that how the Armenians live in Glendale. You right. know, they're all in one place, and in Moscow we don't even have the. There was only one Armenian store, like Armenian, the central part of the city where we all buying or lavash or like right. pasta or that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then uh, my friends and I, we decided that we want to build some kind of online community for Armenians so we can meet the friends, so meet each other. And we so you're built, 18 at this point? Huh? You're like 18 at this point? No, I was just graduated university, like oh, 20, okay. 21, 22, yes. So we built a community called High Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, an Armenian life. And then we, like, very quick become very popular among other Armenians who live in Russia. Uh, there was not a lot of Armenians from Armenia that time because the internet that time was not a very affordable thing in Armenia. We become the number one Armenian platform by the rating. At some point, we were like a the second or third after the circle am you know like if you remember the circle no, am there was like time. a counter that shows the top armenian websites we're like in the top five a yeah. long time yes and it was at that time we didn't understand that we built the social community right? right we didn't know there was no facebook no contact no adnaklasnik this kind of stuff and i'm looking back it was like a technically it was a success and the failure at the same time, because from the startup perspective, we choose the a wrong thing. We choose the very narrow market, right. only Armenians, right? And then the Russian Armenians, like the <laughs> Armenians that live in Russia, there's like a million people or so. And we're thinking back of, okay, it was, we built a social website, a social community. If we spend the same amount of time to building something for Russians, we might have like something similar to the Facebook for Russians, exit it, like make a lot of money. Right. But at that time, we just want to build something for the community. It was technically my first startup, first understanding of the how the things worked. And then after that, it's, it just happened, you know, like yeah. next one and then another one right. and then another one. Before That's we fun. dive into more of your career, ever as long as I can remember, there's been 
talk of how something like what you built needs to exist for like the global Armenian network. And even a few years ago at WCIT, there was a lot of noise made about something called High Connect, I think, that mm-hmm. was supposed to be the sort of this global Armenian social network. From your experience, having built something like this, maybe on a, a smaller scale, just for the Russian Armenian community, is something like that necessary these days with the advent of like large scale social media? It's definitely necessary because we are a network nation. We are all over the places. And this is our biggest advantage in the technological world and the startup world, if we're talking about this, and the business world as well. Because if I can just ping a fellow Armenian lives in the United States that work in a very big corporation, ask for the introduction, it's just one handshake to these people in United States. But uh, we are not like, um, there's no place I can find these people, mm. you know. There's, of course, you can go LinkedIn, you can go some kind of databases, look there. But again, it's not a direct connection. Right. And this is very important for me. And back then it was very important and very important right now that this can be key ingredient for our Armenian success. Mm-hmm. Using our network for the leverage to get to the next level. Are you involved in any of the current initiatives? like at High Connect? No, not, nothing for that. Because I'll be honest, all of these kind of initiatives, it need to be financed. Right. Because there is no money involved there. And then uh, you either spend your own personal time and money on building this kind of communities, and you, you need to have this time and money to invest in this kind of thing. Or it needs to be sponsored with some kind of uh, big companies yeah. that want to invest in this kind of the communities. And uh, due to lack of the time, working in other projects, just don't don't go in this kind of right. direction. Right. Unless there's people that are incentivized to be working on it. Uh, yeah. Things like these fall apart very quickly. Yes. I think we've, we've learned that lesson many times. So these days you're known as the founder and CEO of SmartClick and, and Viral Mango. Mm-hmm. I think Viral Mango was launched last year. Yes. Let's start with SmartClick. Tell us what it is that SmartClick does. So I was involved with a lot of digital marketing and advertising, this kind of projects back in then. And then um, many years ago, like six, seven years ago, it came to my like attention that, okay, there's a lot of uh, human error and then human labor involved in uh, looking into this advertising, mm-hmm. whatever uh, you optimizing that your campaigns or trying to uh, squeeze more of the the money you spend on the Facebook or the Google. When we decided to build some kind of like a company that can deliver this value to the community. Mm-hmm. Quickest way to do that is using the artificial intelligence, of course. That time I was Googling why it came to my attention that there was a global AI index in the world and I, Armenia was not even there. At that time I used to live in the United States and then, okay, I decided to come to Armenia to check what's the status of the AI in Armenia because I want to build that company that delivering the value from back I want a back office in Armenia so I came in Armenia at that time there was only like a handful of people that know what's the data science as well as uh, 2017 2018 like beginning of the 18 end of 17 I was like not a lot of specialists in Armenia uh, and then I definitely decided to open the company in Armenia and because we're working with advertising, we decided to name it a smart click. Mm-hmm. So every next click that somebody's clicking, it's becoming more and more smart. Right. Yes, <laughs> this is the name behind the smart click. You identified a massive challenge, which was finding people mm-hmm. uh, to do the work. Then you decided to open a business in that yeah. environment. 
Yeah, Why? of course. Uh, was a like even triple challenging because at that time there is not that was like a, just starting the boom of the IT companies in Armenia. First of all, finding like a other specialist in Armenia was very challenging because everybody's like it was hard to uh, hire the people, and it was the even challenging the next years as well. Uh, finding the data scientist was very challenging. And then another problem was that I decided to open a company in Armenia. So we didn't have the U.S. company. Hmm. And when you work with the AI and we work with you work with the data of the your users, uh, they don't want to see you other than U.S. company. Right. It was very challenging. Yes, it was very challenging for us because when we started, you know, like oh, and we were like almost there, like almost to sign the contract. We're sending them the the contract, and it says like uh, Ameria Bank, for example. And like, is this a typo? It's supposed to be like Bank right. of America right. or something <laughs> like that. It's like no, no. It's uh, just uh, we're Armenian right. company. We lost a lot of customers based on that. Why not work. just register a Delaware C Corp? I don't want. I want to. I have an idea that. I want to convert the understanding of the AI instead of artificial intelligence to Armenian intelligence, right? right? And just com- to confirm that we have enough manpower, enough understanding and knowledge to build an AI companies mm. based in Armenia. And it took us uh, probably a year to solve this problem. We got the ISO certification, which is certifying the company that you are secure and the data with you is very secure. Mm. And uh, we passed that that part that uh, nobody's challenging us. Whenever they're asking, like, oh, you are not a U.S. company. Right. And we're like, show the U.S. company that have ISO certification. Right, right. And it's like a very popular certification. Yes. Right. So you solved the trust factor by that, the ISO certification. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been around for more than five years now, yes, I think. five years now. I cut you off when you were going to dive deeper into the product. Tell us exactly uh, the services that... SmartClick provides. So, and then when we dive in into the product and then we want to build something for the advertising, there's other business challenges that make us to pivot to other direction. So we end up eventually building the technologies. We want to become the deep tech company that builds the technologies and provides the world with these technologies. Mm-hmm. So somebody else can actually build their own startup based on our technology. Right. Right now, we have like more than 15 uh, different kind of AIs, mainly in computer vision direction, that helps the other companies to build their solution using our technology. Mm-hmm. So we become the solution provider. Right. So imagine like it's a, like a chat GPT. When you take it, and there's no product behind you. You just API call it mm-hmm. and then get the answers to your questions. Right. So you're a model provider. Yes. Our sense. models are just like available in the internet. You just uh, connect with the API to this model, sending the picture mm-hmm. or video, and then getting the response of the uh, the answers you want to get from it. Right. When I was looking at the different types of uh, solutions you guys provide, I noticed that they're quite specialized. For example, there's things like helmet detection. Mm-hmm. So instead of like a generalized object detection model, there's far more specific things like logo detection, helmet yes, detection. Yes. And we're, we're like, and we build it like a specific type of the detections. Right. And then uh, we're providing this kind of services and helping the companies to build a, their own product based mm-hmm. on this. So for example, when we build it, the um, helmet detection you mentioned, we're thinking that the only construction companies or any kind of like startup that doing some kind of safety in construction that gonna uh, be our customer 
Uh, but we eventually had a request and then we like developed some kind of connection with a Ford that have a subdivision uh, on um, the scooters that they're renting services for the scooters. They want to make sure that drivers have the helmets on them hmm. before they allow them to drive that the scooter. Hmm. So completely different use case, same AI technology behind right, it. Right, right. It's like a security check on, yes. on, their, on their user. That's interesting. How do you identify these use cases? Because I think like the average person, if they heard helmet detection, it would be the last thing that comes to their mind for AI. How do you identify which of these niches are, are valuable in the market? Technically, we looked for the open niches. Hmm. So we look look to develop the technologies that not cover there because there's a lot of technologies that already available for the like hundreds of different kind of technologies. So we look the gap. What what's there? Uh, what's the market on it? Sometimes some technologies we're building based on the whatever we have uh, the data available. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we're having gathering some kind of data. We're like, okay, we can build this kind of technology. And then we're building it. Or it's maybe it's a low-hanging fruit. It's easy to build. We're yeah. just quickly building and then just providing that service available in the market right away. Are you guys doing any data gathering yourself or are you acquiring it through? Both mm-hmm. we're gathering the data, we're buying some data, we're collecting, looking for the open sources somewhere, different places. Yeah, yeah, interesting. How big of an R&D team do you guys have now? Like, Are, are most of these models that you guys are implementing? Uh, technically not, not as big as you might think because most of the time you are spending cleaning up this data right. other than just building the model. Right. So almost like a 70% of the time you are working on the data gathering and then preparing, cleaning, uh, labeling, and this kind of stuff. Right. And then team is like around 10 people all, all over the, the different engineers, right. and like uh, labelers and so on. I'm curious how the role of tech service providers like SmartClick changes in the era of foundation models. So, for example, just about a month ago, Facebook's AI research team released uh, the SAM model, segment anything model, which is a fairly massive model as far as computer vision models go for segmentation, which is one of the most popular tasks in computer vision. As the state of the art in AI models moves more and more towards massive data sets and high levels of compute, where do you see the role of startups like yourself fitting in there? How do you guys compete? It's becoming very challenging uh, these days to go to the AI direction because if until like probably two years ago, a year ago, to be able to use the AI, for example, to have that in your company, it would cost you a lot of money because the data scientists are pretty expensive team members to hire. And using the AI technology is usually, usually non, very costly because, mm-hmm. again, it was, uh, cost the company a lot of money to develop these kind of technologies. But after the chat GPT, the Dolly, this kind of generative AI, a lot of like a, a free open AI from the Facebook and other companies, it's becoming more and more accessible by the small even the medium companies. By So... I see like enormous amount of startups that using and the back and the chat GPT and becoming very successful. And of course, it's competition going up mm-hmm. insanely. So for example, if we look a year, two years ago, if there is only like, I don't know, a couple hundred startups that doing AI back in days, now 
10,000, 20,000. So you are becoming just invisible all, on all this noise of the startups that popping up in every every day, basically. I'm looking at the product hunt. Every day there's like at least 10 to 15 uh, AI startups, like, you know, the, the chat GPT, chat GPT, everything using the same technology yeah. on the back end and just solving different problems. It's even more challenging if you're a model provider, right? Yeah. Yes, of course. And in one hand, it's a, some kind of opportunities because more and more people looking in this kind of technologies. But on the other hand, you just just getting lost in this a lot of different kind of startups that popping up every day. This is going to change in a couple of years. It's going to be slow down, you know, like it's because it's a hype right now. Mm -hmm. AI madness going on. Uh, a lot of companies investing crazy money on AI. So AI spending going to go up. Uh, and then it's, uh, as other hype, there's probably something else going to pop up and then people going to switch the attention to this one. And then uh, it's going to be more, we'll see how it goes back then, you know, right. Right. who, who survived right. at that time. Yes. Even 18 months ago, AI was, people doing AI were largely people who would build the models in-house. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, if you look at just, even just the Armenian startup ecosystem, Almost all companies have integrated some level of generative AI into their their products. Not only Armenian startups. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Any, all any over the world. Any startup yeah. right now, just yeah. uh, I'm deep into the startup yeah. ecosystem. I know everything about the, about the startups. So a couple of years ago, like uh, several years ago, a lot of Armenian startups saying AI, we're gonna do this with AI. We're gonna do this with AI. Nobody was uh, having understanding how to do that with right. the AI. But they're like, okay, we're going to do this with AI because it sounds like uh, promising and the investors investing money because of that. And then hype went down mm -hmm. because uh, investors started asking the questions like, uh, how are you going to build that AI? Do you have the data scientists yeah. in team? Do you have the understanding how to build the AI models? There's also often a question of why do this with AI? Yeah, of yeah. course, then the why, because in the early stage of startup, you don't have the enough data to use the AI even. Mm -hmm. Uh, now the hype is back and everybody is like just plugging in ChatGPT. We do this with the ChatGPT. We do this with the Dolly or any mid-journey, whatever it is, other uh, AI solutions out there. Uh, it's becoming again a popular, but now um, uh, it's more justified. At least you have something, you know, you just don't need to build it. Mm -hmm. So it's become more mainstream than, than before. Because if we look at the history of the AI, uh, it seems like AI is something new, but it's uh, became at the came to life in 1950s, around like 60s, and uh, after that, two times it went down. You know, like the AI winters, and nobody was because uh, back back in days it was just a research project. Right. The governments need to put a lot of money to this kind of AI, and then you need the enormous computers. You yeah. know, like to be able to handle this kind of data. And it probably back to the till end of 1999, when the Deep Blue won the chess with the Garrick as part of the AI, like you know, just like a recovering back from the ashes, you know, mm -hmm. like it's it came back to our lives. But until probably 2010 to 2013, only the big big corporation enterprise level companies can afford to do the AI because it costs a lot of money to train the model. Yeah, 
Even now, uh, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, every day the chat GPT is spending like five to $10 million mm-hmm. on computing power only. There's enormous mm-hmm. data that are going back and forth and the, the asking all these questions. Uh, that's why you can't just afford uh, this kind of technologies back in, in your front yard, you know, the backyard. Since 2013, it's become more and more affordable because of the computing power was becoming cheap. And right now, even like kids can take some kind of a small version of the chat GPT and train in their like mm-hmm. home computer if they have enough uh, computing. computing power in their, their computers, yes. Right. As a product person to some, you know, would-be entrepreneurs listening, how do you advise people on what type of products they should pursue with AI and what type of things would be better left? What type of things are more just hype-driven, empty solutions that have AI patching it up? You know, I'm always saying that the AI, it's just a hammer, Mm -hmm. right? What to do with this hammer, it's up to you. In some cases, you don't need that hammer. Right. In some cases, you need something more precise, something different. You can't do all your construction using only hammer. You need other tools as well. So it's the same with uh, with any kind of product. You need to use AI when only just need it, not just everywhere, just plug in, you know, saying, okay, let's use it AI, let's use it AI. Yeah. In some cases, you don't need it. In some cases, even manual labor is much cheaper and more efficient than just AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of startup I'm talking and they're just like, oh, we want to use this with AI. I'm like, no, don't yeah. use it. You don't need it in a couple of years, maybe probably a couple of years, you'll, you'll need it, but not right now. Yeah. You don't have enough data. It's gonna, uh, you're going to spend more time on fixing the issues that AI is going to cause than you getting the benefits from it. Right. Just That's the problem. So again, you need to go from the different perspective if your product is helping to solve people's problem, mm-hmm. right? And then meantime, w- when you are solving the people's problem, is the AI efficient tool to use it? Is it going to make you uh, like a faster, better, quicker, or something else? If not, don't use it. Right. Just the fundamentals of product development don't change regardless of, course, of what yeah, the technology is at core. It's just, uh, just another tool. Mm-hmm. It's just another tool. Right. You know, when you're st- Right. Uh, it's the same same way with the um, uh, you know blockchain yeah, technology. You know, a couple of years ago, everybody is we're doing with this blockchain. Block. I'm like, why? Do you sp- need it to use the blockchain, or you can just use just regular database and that's it? No, yeah. there's a lot of people like uh, saying, okay, we're gonna use the blockchain to make sure that everything is correct, nothing changed. But nobody cares about changing. Yeah. If you're solving the problem, you don't need the blockchain. Yeah. Just uh, just. Yeah, absolutely. I recently saw a wallet, like a physical wallet, like just a regular wallet that was branded as an AI wallet. And I spent like 20 minutes trying to understand what was AI about <laughs> yeah, it. But like, and later became out and it's just a marketing <laughs> tool. Yeah, it's just a, <laughs> a, just a buzzy world yeah. right now everybody's using yeah. uh, because uh, it brings a lot of attention. Uh, investors to ready to pay a lot of money if you, mm-hmm. if you show the traction. And, uh, yeah, let's get to your second full-time job, Viral Mango. What is Viral Mango? So, since I mentioned that um, I have a long, long years, many years of experience in uh, digital marketing, at some point I noticed that um, markets are switching. You know, 
back in days, if we look like 20, 30 years back uh, before the digital era, it was like a billboards, uh, the radio advertising, you know, the TV advertising later. And then the digital advertising came in. Mm-hmm. It was a very big hit because you can measure it comparing to the billboards, right. for example, right? You don't know which billboard is more efficient than mm-hmm. another one. And then digital advertising and the companies like uh, Google and Facebook they're earning like hundreds of billions of dollars a year on this kind of advertising. But at some point, it starts shifting towards influencer marketing. We start noticing that the people became blind to the regular advertising. You know, you look at the Facebook, you already see how to notice like this advertising, you're just skipping, you don't click there. But in the meantime, users, like regular people buying more stuff if somebody is recommending them. Mm-hmm. You know, friends, family, somewhere they know, mm-hmm. somewhere they trust. And we start noticing that the market is going very fast up. You know, it's like growing 30% year over the year. Even the big influencers like Kim Kardashian, they become the brand at some point. So, themselves, you mean? Yeah. If a couple of years ago, the Kardashian was charging, I don't know, a million dollar or one and a half million dollar for one post. Mm-hmm. Now she became the brand. She's advertising her own stuff, right. making even more money out of it. But companies having a big problem working with the influencers mm-hmm. because it's challenging to find the first, the right influencer. There's like hundreds of million people out there that are using social media and having a lot of followers. Uh, how to find them, how to understand if they are good enough for you, if they are matching to your business, how to work with them, how much they're going to charge you. You know, like there's a lot of questions the business asking because in traditional advertising, you just put money and put some kind of like a requirements and a lot of stuff handled by the Facebook or the Google because they're AI algorithms. And then the regular businesses don't have that kind of understanding how the influencer marketing works. And then that's what's like came to our attention that we can solve this problem for the businesses and make them connected with the influencers hmm. and have to A to Z collaboration together much easier. So mm-hmm. basically, if you want to find the influencer, we can help you. If you want to learn, like collaborate with them, we'll have the solution for that. So we're deep into this creator's economy mm-hmm. and we're helping the companies to switch from the old school advertising, the digital advertising to this new influencer marketing, which works amazing. You know, we see a lot of companies making a crazy amount of money on this one like a viral videos right. goes to the online yes i'm really curious about what the data looks like for the effectiveness of influencer marketing but first i think for a lot of people it might be helpful if we just define what we mean when we say influencer because now they've almost become categorized like nano micro yes uh, regular and like mega and macro influencers so tell us what exactly is an influencer when, when we talk about it in this context in the marketing um, context from our perspective uh, technically, you know, there's like a lot of categorization about the influencer, as you mentioned, nano micro. And w- when we initially started, we're targeting this nano and micro influencers, nano that um, influencers that have from thousand to ten thousand followers, and the micro that uh, from ten thousand to fifty or hundred thousand, mm-hmm. depending on that. But right now, I'm like a pushing different type of the categorization because the old ones are not working. Okay. Right now, 
even the influencers that have less than 1,000 followers, they're already influencers. There's somebody that's listening to them. It uh, doesn't matter uh, what's the ing- like how many followers do you have. It's still about uh, how many people going to see based on like a percentage of the engagement mm-hmm. with your content, right? Because uh, if we take a look at Kim Kardashian, she have like, I think, 350 million followers right now but her engagement rate is like very, very low. Hmm. She's posting something and there's like only 10,000 likes or comments or something. In the meantime, somebody with, uh, I don't know, 500,000 followers can post something and get the exactly same attention. Right. So bigger you're becoming, less people interacting with your content Hmm. because of the algorithm, because of there's a lot of bots, because of a lot of fake followers and so on. Smaller you are, better uh more people see your content more engaged they are because they know in person you there's something more genuine about it's more genuine Mm. that's why uh, like uh, it doesn't matter how many followers do you have Uh, of course like there's a certain amount like it need to be not like your friends and family you know like 20 people but again it's just uh, all about uh, engagement rate and we see the i don't know 15 20 percent engagement rate on the smaller influencers than the big ones Interesting. and the old and the old categorizations about like a celebrity or mega influencers more than million followers uh, that they have the more more than million followers right now it's not even relevant anymore the numbers are crazy for for example uh cristiano ronaldo have like 500 million followers uh, how you categorize that that the person <laughs> yes. you know it just yeah. like a uh, the person uh, that uh, Ronaldo and the person who have like a million more than a million followers, they're technically in the same category. Hmm. That's why we're pushing a new new measurement, how to measure them. And also like um, I'm, I have an idea that we need to combine the number of followers across all the platform. Don't hmm. because usually they're saying like, okay, I have like 500 million followers. It's only on Instagram, but we need to say the combined value of the influencing of this person because they're posting something on Instagram and then they're posting on a Facebook, posting on a Twitter, TikTok, on some different places. And you need to combine all this hmm. uh, influencing power together. Interesting. Let's talk about the effectiveness of influencer marketing. Before you said it's significantly better than more traditional forms. What do the numbers look like? It depending on what type of businesses. It's like it's all over the places. What type of businesses are most the most popular uh, right now? Depending on the platform, again in Instagram, it's a beauty lifestyle, horeca. You know, like the restaurants, food. On a TikTok, it's more. It's technically TikTok is not working very good, to be honest. On For the, influencer marketing, yes, because of the probably age of the people that uh, like using day to day the TikTok. They're too young. Yes, they're too young. They don't ready to spend a lot of money. So they're doing a lot of hype. Hmm. So there's different type of the, actually. Let me start from this perspective. Different type of the. KPIs you want to measure on mm-hmm. the using the influencer marketing. If you're something new in the market, it just gives you more brand awareness. Hmm. Because right now, nobody's buying the stuff if they see that first time. Hmm. They need to see that the same product in several places, several people recommending that. In digital advertising, like a seven handshakes, you need to see that product seven times to have a confidence on this product and want to buy it. Mm. 
and uh, influencer marketing uh, giving that support opportunity to you because you can work with a lot of, for example, nano and micro influencers. And then you're just listing your TikTok or Instagram, see, oh, somebody's talking about this product. Oh, different person talking about this product. Oh, it's becoming very popular. Maybe I should take a look what what this product is offering. Mm -hmm. So it starts with the brand awareness and then the engagement with your product, getting the likes on the comments. And then it's you can start measuring the how the success right. that comes and then sales comes in. Right. So it's a, like a little bit longer process, but gives uh, more value on the amount of money you spend mm -hmm. on the advertising, basically. Tell us more about the platform. How do people use it and who is it that's using it? Is it both influencers and businesses looking to make the connection? So we have a different section of the platform. So on one hand, it starts with the brands that want to discover the influencer. So we have a special tool that allows you to go there, put your requirements. So for example, I want influencers that located in Glendale, California. Uh, they speak Armenian. Mm -hmm. The engagement rate is like more than 5%, uh, have like not less than 10,000 followers, et cetera, et cetera. And we give you all the list of these influencers. Mm. And the next step is you can do the deep analysis on every influencer you find. So you understand what's the percentage of the fake followers they have. It's a very big problem in influencer marketing because there's a lot of money involved in the marketing. The influencers charging money for right. the brands to promote more followers you have, bigger influencer you are, more money you can charge. So a lot of influencers buying fake followers. So our tool allows to deep analyze and see what's the percentage of the male, female, what age they are, how many percent of your followers are fake. Mm -hmm. After that, another our solution, like a platform, allows you to collaborate together. Like It's like a CRM system. Mm -hmm. You see every step, your collaboration with influencers. As a business, you see when to expect the content, when they're going to post it. So we, we manage all that through the platform. And we also handle the payments as well. So for example, you pay only us, and then we distribute that money for 10 and 100 different right. influencers. You don't need to gather the information, do the tax documents, a lot of like more, more convenient. And also we have the open marketplace as well. When in that case, the business comes, says, oh, here's my product I wanna promote. And we have tens of thousands of influencers in our platform to, from different verticals that applying to your campaign. Right. And then if you like them, again, you see all the deep analysis, everything, and the ratings. If you like them, you just accept them, and then you start working together through our platform as well. Interesting. So it's a two-sided marketplace. You guys have both the influencers and the, the businesses that are looking for it. What does an influencer business agreement typically look like? It's based on, I guess, like number of content that they create for the business? Or? Uh, there's a two-way, two type of service we're offering through the influencing. So one of them is called uh, UGC or IGC, like user-generated content slash influencer-generated mm -hmm. content. Some brands don't want to even be promoted on the social media of these influencers. In that case, it doesn't matter how many followers do you have. You just need to be able to create a good content mm. because as a business, as a company, to you need to have social media accounts in right. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and you need to post some kind of contents there right. every day, every week, like at least two, three times a week. To be able to do that, you need to have a, like a marketing team. 
mm-hmm. somebody to create the content, shoot the videos, right. I don't know, edit the videos, combine together, put some kind of hashtags and everything. Uh, what we're offering, it, you just delegate this to the, these influencers that yeah. do this day, every day and they're professionals. Right, right. And basically you pay for the content. They provide you the content and if you want to, you can tag them, you know, like saying, like mentioning them, thanking them for the content or just using social media and then use in even for the advertising mm-hmm. because it's just a very good quality piece content. of content. Yeah, yeah, piece of content. And the second part, when the user is ge- like influencers generating the content and then posting in their social media. Of course, it's more expensive because they're posting in social media you getting some kind of attention to your content and then uh, you can even boost this post and pay some kind of advertising to get more visible of this content. And in some cases, it might go to the viral as well mm-hmm. Right. if the content is very good. Tell us a little bit about your engagement so far, your traction. How's the platform going? We're growing very fast and then the tools we're providing right now becoming very very popular even more popular than the platform itself to be honest because the last tool we're like releasing right now it's a media kit for the influencers Mm. it's like basically linkedin for the influencers becoming because again there is the hundreds of millions of influencers and then how the business choose you not the hundreds or thousands Mm. other people applying to them and asking that they want to promote your product right so we're helping the influencers to build their basically portfolio, providing a lot of information. It's becoming a media kit that you can share with the brands and become more visible and saying, here, here I am, well, this is the type of the content I can create. It's very good. You know, this is the jobs I have done already. This is my resume. Basically, it's becoming like an influencer's resume right. in the future. Right. And it's becoming very popular that influencers using us to create this kind of page and then uh, share this page with the businesses. So outreach the businesses mm-hmm. while helping them as well to get the deals done. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It feels like it's like a maturation point for influencer marketing. Like there was a point 12, 13 years ago when YouTube was starting to become a platform through which people could make a lot of money. And at the beginning, people were taking it less seriously and they really didn't understand what was going on. And then there was a whole suite of tooling and new companies that popped up that helped grow and mature that ecosystem into this massive business, a really business ecosystem. I'm sure it's already happened to an extent with influencer marketing, but hearing about products like Viral Mango makes it a more apparent that point has come for influencer marketing as well. Influencer marketing becoming a full-time job. Right. You yeah. know, it's not just, uh, you know, like back in days, it was just a fun for some kind of kids, but right now it's right. becoming a very, very big business. Right. Uh, look at the Mr. Beast, you know, like I don't know how many million, hundreds of million followers you have. And it's, it's not even followers, it's a community. Yeah. And he can sell whatever he wants. Yeah. He spends millions of dollars and he earns them yeah. tens of millions of dollars. You know, For example, uh, we're doing the research and uh, we discovered that uh, 98% of the middle and high school kids in the United States want to become the influencer when they grow up. 98%. So there's everyone who want to do whatever they w- like to do, they want to do. And make money out of it, basically. This is a really bigger and longer conversation, but what do you think about the cultural impact of that? Like, 
Do you think it's a positive thing that the numbers are that high? It's what they see, you know? Right. When they grow up, they see the influencers. Any kid right now spends many hours, I don't know, even like averages seven to ten hours in social media, TikTok, Instagram, and other places. Is that a good thing? It's a very bad thing. Right. Yes, because it gives them a wrong information about the world. Mm-hmm. Perception. Right? Yeah, because... Uh, when you're becoming the influencer and you are wrong about something, you share that wrongness with other people and the, your followers, the kids that trust you, they start repeating after you. Right. And it's becoming a disaster, you know. That That's the problem. And they see this, how these people are successful because for the kids, 10, 12, 14, 15 years old kids, somebody with... Uh, 10,000, 20,000 followers, it seems like, wow, there's like a cool person. If the 20,000 followers, people trust this person, I, I can trust this mm-hmm. uh, this influencer as well, which is wrong understanding of the world, how right. the things work. You know, right. It's shift of the concept of the who to trust. Sometimes I have this conversation with my kid back in days that uh, she said that she trusts more to the words of the influencer that have 10,000 followers than mine. Wow. You know, just because like... That's not what you want to hear as a parent. This like a 16 years old guys knows what he's talking about because you have 10,000 followers and you're just my father, you know, like, okay, you are old, you have some experience, but uh, (laughs) um, I end up opening the TikTok account and getting 75,000 followers (laughs) to prove that this is a lot of shady stuff going on there. So you don't just trust the numbers. No, no, no. (laughs) Because TikTok using the AI... It was very challenging for me to learn how their AI is working. I learned their algorithms. I understand how the comes, how it's working, how it's getting the followers. Right. So I do some kind of tricks. I got reverse the, engineering. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, it's all relevant. So what we need to teach our kids in the future. So don't trust uh, whatever you see that in an internet. Just you do your homework, double check everything, triple check everything, all the facts. Uh, even with this AI technologies, you know, even the chat GPT, everybody is trusting the chat GPT or like, oh, it's perfect. But sometimes you ask a question getting wrong answer. And even the a, th- these solutions, even like, you know, like confronting you that it's true, mm-hmm. giving you the links, like proving you that this is correct. But in the real life, there is nothing like that right. existing. We need to be careful, blindly trusting all these kind of technologies, influencers, all yeah. this, ev- everything in the world. You know, Social media and influencer culture is here to stay, uh, whether we want it or not. One of the most important things we'll have to tackle moving forward is how to reap the positive benefits from it, like things like you know, brands being able to reach uh, customers for good products in a better way and stuff, but also minimizing the negative effects of it. Uh, uh, like one interesting re- thing I recently read was that in China, for instance, TikTok filters out content in a way where for young people, especially, it's only geared towards like math and science videos. And like, I think there was even a survey done where they said that on Chinese kids, most of them said they want to become like astronauts and physicists and stuff. And then you say in the US, most people want to become influencers. So it really shows the culture. Whatever impact. you see, you want to become. For sure. Right? Yeah. Back in days, uh, like we see a lot of stuff going on with the space. We want to become the astronauts. Right. Like, you know, we see like the uh, good figures of the police. We want to become the policemen. Right? 
So whatever the kids see, they want to become like that. Uh, and then I hope we'll see more uh, regulations about uh, what uh, people can say in social media mm. because social media is becoming the uh, same as the TV. Mm-hmm. You can't say anything you want from the TV as like promoting or advertising. Right. You know? There are some kind of regulations right. for what you can talk, you know, some kind of fact-checking or some other stuff. I'm hoping to see some kind of these regulations in the future which, which might clean up the space because right now a lot of influencers can say anything uh, if you pay them enough. You know? Right, right, yeah. It, al- it also money. shows that if the dials are turned up on the positive, then the impact can be good. Um, yes. This is a, such an interesting conversation that you're going to have to come back one day and we'll dive deeper into it. But uh, last question, of all the things we spoke about today, in, in five to ten years, where do you hope to see Viral Mango? We want to see as as a central place where the influencers and the businesses start working together so it's becoming uh, just uh, like a google you know like you're starting your first search opening the google's page and then you diving into the next stage of your business googling something want to become something like this for the influencer marketing providing that if you need something in influencer marketing something in creators economy we can help you. Mm-hmm. We have the enough technology, we have enough the solutions and tools out there. And then for the creator's perspective, you can start war, uh, the, your working day opening our website and using our tools from the business perspective. You know that working with us, mm-hmm. you can have a seamless, seamless the collaboration with any influencers in the world. Right. I wish you a lot of luck with that. Graham, thank you so much for a joining pleasure. us today for the thank fun and interesting conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.